0: everybody, welcome to another episode of the Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, another creator on Spotlight uh, to talk about today, something I'm really excited about. We have a a couple of veteran comic book creators, Daniel Wu and Sean Chen, joining me to talk about Evermind. So um, as of today, September 19th, the campaign is live on Kickstarter. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can go and check it out. Uh, And so, gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. I'm going to start with you, Daniel. Why don't uh, I give you a chance to practice your elevator pitch? Give us an idea of what uh, Evermind is all about.
1: Well, I I just want to say I'm not a veteran comic book creator. This is my first kind of foray into this. And this is why I'm so excited about it, because, you know, having been growing up with comic books and being a comic fan and all that, it's kind of been a dream to be able to do this and work with someone like Sean. Uh, on a project like this. Um, the project came to me, actually, they had started 24 seven and Sean had already started working on it. And one of our kind of producers, Carl had an idea of making the character look like me. And so when he pitched the project, it was already there. There's a character looking like me. And I was like, already kind of into it. Cause it was <laughs> like, you, you did the right thing by doing that. But, um, you know, as a fan of sci-fi and this kind of genre, It kind of melded everything that I've been personally interested in and kind of tying into some of my acting career, too, because everything I've done since I've come back to the United States has been science fiction related um, in some way, which is ironic because nothing I did in Hong Kong was science fiction. We never did science fiction. And it's actually one of my favorite genres. And so to be able to do this kind of genre with Sean and in a comic book form, um, was just a really great opportunity for me. It was really exciting. And then to be able to be part of helping create and like, um, help shape the character, because in my world of acting, like that's what we know best of how to shape characters, how to um, do world building and those kind of things. Um, we did a lot of that into the Badlands and, um, had a lot of experience, a lot of fun doing that. Um, and so doing it for the comic book world is a similar process. Um, just a lot less expensive. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I do wanna
0: uh you know what maybe I should have used the word veteran storyteller, and I do want to get back to that uh because there there are similarities, but there are differences uh mm-hmm. obviously between doing uh, you know, you're not only an actor but a, a producer and what have you, but but really a storyteller at heart. But I mm-hmm. want to get uh back to that in a second. But uh we got to bring Sean in. Sean, um, you know, Daniel mentioned this project was kind of already off the ground before he got started. You've certainly been working in comics for a long time. Uh what made this a project that you wanted to be involved in what got you excited about
2: it Uh well I've been doing comics for maybe like a quarter of a century so a lot of it um, started out at Valiant went to Marvel and then DC uh, so you usually do um feel like a guy that draws other people's stories and uh you get pigeonholed very quickly so actually even in Marvel and DC I was really a penciler which is you know the storyteller and I do the penciling someone else inks someone else colors someone else writes um, an editor oversees the whole thing. So uh, I think once you kind of move through that, um, Marvel is kind of like a young man's game. That you, you Artists should like rotate out, you know, when you get to your 50s and um, think about uh, creating something on your own. So uh, what 24-7 comics afforded me was the ability to actually uh, throw my hat into the writing ring, which is something I've always wanted to do. And I've been kind of like practicing towards. And I wanted to do something that can really um apply my art to and go really in depth and take it to a new le- new level. So that, that was the big appeal for me.
0: Yeah. So getting back to something you said, uh, Daniel, about there being no budget, right. In comics, it mm-hmm. you know, as big, as big as you want. Um, but the other aspect of that, and this is uh, kind of what I wanted to get to with uh, your career as an actor, mm-hmm. so much of how you connect to the audience or you relate a story, it, it's emotion, right? Like you've got to, you've got to, convey that emotion in your acting so that we as, um, you know, consumers of that content, whether we're watching something, uh, you know, live action or reading a comic, we're invested, right? Like we we relate, we put our, um, we put ourselves in the shoes of the, of the creator, whether it's somebody you're live acting or, or your, your character, you know, the character looks like you in the comic. Um, What differences are there from a storytelling aspect you know, versus acting versus, you know, telling the story and making sure that you capture that emotion to really pull uh, the reader in or the watcher into the story.
1: I think it's, it's multi-leveled um, on the, a character, individual character level, you know, when you're, it, it actually it's not that much of a difference. Like when I'm reading a script before I'm actually performing it, I'm looking for those things. Like, does this character make sense to me? There is there something about this character that touches me or is universal or does it? Is there an overall message there? Then, what is the world that I'm reading about here? As I start to imagine, like what this world could be, and does that excite me? Um, and now, when it comes to creating it in a comic book form, I think the biggest difference is that I don't have to think about limits, you know. Um, whereas, like when you're creating something for screen, you're thinking about okay, all right, you always think about budget, right? You're always yeah. like, what is the budget of this, and what can we do with it? And then that kind of almost determines how you tell the world or build the world that you're trying to build in right if you have a pretty unlimited budget you can go pretty ham and go crazy if you have a low budget you're like okay how can i how can i take the existing things in this world and kind of twist it a little bit to make it work for this world in the story right whereas in the comic book world we can just go however we want um we can make big swings and it's just a matter of whether sean can draw it or not <laughs> sean can draw everything right so um, that's not the case. So what we're really then looking at is then uh, the narrative and the storyline and the main characters. And there's their do their storylines make sense and are they believable? And do you do you have empathy for these characters? Do you get what their their world is about? And the this Professor John character in this in the main character in this story, you, you there's a lot of judgment on him, right? Because he makes questionable decisions. But then in the end, does he make the right decision? Right. And so you have to have the audience be along for that ride and want to be along for that ride. And whether he, you know, he starts off questionable, the the audience has to like him and they have to want to follow him. And it's the same thing as in filmmaking. You want the character to come out strong and you want people to buy into this character and believe that character because that's the guy that's going to bring you into this world and make the rest of it all work. And so, however, you create that other world is fine, but you got to start small with the main character and whether his, his, motivations and his um his storyline makes a sense to an audience and and is believable but also um whether you can get on that roller coaster ride with him or not and i think that's the most important thing then it opens up the rest of the the storytelling process which is the world building the other side characters and the other arcs that the other characters go through and you buy all of that um so it's a it's a very similar i think it's a very similar process it's just that with with comic book writing, you don't have to think about budget. It doesn't really matter as much.
0: Yeah, you get to take some some big swings. There's definitely tons of action, but also uh, emotion and really some kind of meta conversations um, in the story, hmm. Sean, uh, which I want you to kind of comment on because there's this idea of, you know, Technology, messing with genetics, messing with artificial intelligence. And just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should do something. And it starts off right on the first page, hmm. um, where we see kind of the interaction between, uh, the main character that's, uh, that looks quite a bit like Dan- Daniel, uh, your fantastic job on the art. And he's talking to his, his daughter, who's obviously of a younger generation and. And she's sort of, you know, pushing back, like, you know, why have you, why have you done this? This reflects on me uh, as well. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and what it is about science fiction that kind of lends itself to us questioning th- these ideas of, of whether we should be messing with this sort of technology and and uh, advancement? Um,
2: yeah, so it's a very complicated issue. And, and um, uh, because we're talking about uh, science on a level that is, that can really change the basically the whole paradigm shift of what it means to even be exist so um, between the protagonist uh, Lucas Sang and his daughter, uh, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum and and this story really is about different um, viewpoints of science is a philosophical question about um, what is the role of science um, in, in our lives so. Uh, you get it from all different spectrum. There's one person who wants to just exploit it for as much money as possible. And then the other one, um, Lucas is saying, um, is trying to become, I think he feels like he's been passed over. So he's trying to uh, to kind of achieve kind of greatness at any cost. And then his daughter kind of believes that science is really sh- should be there for um, the public good. So much so that she's actually in an activist group that. Uh, it's like a watchdog to make sure that uh, corporations don't ex, um, exploit science and um, subjugate the people. So they end up, him and his daughter, on separate ends of the spectrum, like diametric opposites. And, you know, I, I kind of um, took inspiration from um, Steve Jobs and his daughter and how they had like a very fractured relationship. Um, so I kind of push it even further to make it so that they have um, an ideological divide that's so big that it can never really be put together and um some of the things that the decisions that lucas sang makes since he's such a highly flawed character um really he's like risking in, uh, everything for uh, in order to achieve this greatness and uh and he pushes too far and then uh everything starts to crumble around him so it's it's that gulf between him and his daughter whether it can ever be closed and under what condition it can be closed uh so that's really what the the heart of the story is about
0: yeah, that, that's something that always interests me, right? Because you think about science and and facts, and it's so it should be so black and white, uh, but it, it's it's created by us, right? Like this technology is created by us as humans. We're flawed, and so in some way, whatever you build is going to not always go the way that that you think it will. Because when you, you talk about this kind of technology, sort of being able, and, and again, this is not something that's so far out there,
1: right in the future. I mean, this so we're is, talking about this right now with AI right now. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. A conversation or about AI, right?
0: Yeah. The, one of the things, uh, you know, th- this idea of military application and, and drones, right? Unmanned drones. And it's somebody sitting there, like they're playing a video game. Um, and, and there is some uh, kind of humanitarian benefit to that, right? Like our soldiers, and in the, the direct line from the book, soldiers aren't coming home in body bags. Th- there's a benefit to that. But on the other side of it, do we then Forget what the horror of war is, if if there's not as much you know loss of life from our soldiers. But what about you know the the people on the other end of the bomb, you know the receiving end of the bombs, right? Um, so there's yeah, a, there's a danger, right?
1: War, right? And takes the the human aspect out of war, and then takes the pain and all that away because it's just a robot doing it, right? Right. And there's no repercussions, and I think you know we're having these conversations now about AI, <laughs> exactly the same thing, which is yes, AI can be helpful. But it also, also uncontrolled, it can be called totally, a, you know, detrimental to society. And so we have to put a cap on that before it happens. And I think the struggle that Lucas Jong's the storyline in Evermind is going through is is balancing all these aspects of this technology that he's creating. Right? He has a very pure heart about it. It's about the pure technology and in him aspirate, his aspirations of of achieving these goals. But at the same time, you see the people around him see the value in it for other reasons, for nefarious reasons, and they're going to use that for some other purposes that are not what he intended for. And that's what we need to be careful about technology, right? I mean, Terminator, we talk talk about that. Uh, Any sci-fi is is a good reflection on what's happening in society now, right? And so I think that's what's happening in this story is we're kind of reflecting on what's happening in the conversations out there about technology now.
0: Yeah, so one of the things that's fascinating to me uh, about a story like this is it, it can have so much value in that you're thinking about it later on. But if you're just a fan of, you know, all out action, fun comics, you love Sean Chen art, which is, you know, gorgeous, you can read it on that surface level and just enjoy it as kind of this big budget popcorn summer flick. So uh, I want to ask you, Sean, being that this is really the first time, as you mentioned, that you're getting a chance to, to kind of write and develop a story. Do you find yourself at any point pulling back going, oh my God, I I write that out. I have
2: to draw that. Or are you just going like no limits? Uh, Well, yeah, there always uh, is that feeling, oh my God, I have to draw that. But uh, the thing is, I've come to understand that if you don't go there, um, the artwork is lacking. So number one, I want the artwork to really impress. And that means like not holding back. Um, So uh, I never shy away from, uh from showing it all because I think it's when you do when you do spend like those three or four days on one page or have to draw like a thousand people. Um that has a visceral impact on the reader. And uh you can kind of just have two people like having tea in a living room and have that be the whole book. Uh I could craft that story. I mean I'm the person that makes a story. I could make that be the story. Uh but I, I think that when you turn the page and you see the see the artwork you should say wow and you should maybe even skip a breath and ideally that's what i want to do is just um to give people an experience you know it, it almost doesn't really matter how well you draw um in, in some sense it doesn't even matter how like uh, how engaging the story is if you give the um the the reader an experience and a lot of that can be outside of of art i mean there are some um draftsmen out there they're pretty poor but when they, um, the impact that they have with the art, and that makes up for all of it. So I think the mistake, a lot of people who are really great draftsmen, they they kind of like fall back on that and just give you like very quiet scenes um, that are ultimately forgettable. So yeah, I want to swing for the fences. And and then, um, you know, I just hope the story is like uh, big enough that it gives me uh, cool stuff to draw, despite the fact that it would take me days to finish it. But that's the goal as an artist.
0: Yeah, well, I guess it's all in service of telling the best story that you, you can, right? Whether it's a comic book or, you know, a, something live action that, uh, you know, Daniel's obviously had experience, uh, doing before. Uh, I want to go back to something else you said before, Daniel, about being a kind of a lifelong. A uh, comic book fan, this is kind of a dream come true for you. Mm-hmm. Are there any challenges in in working with Sean and working uh, with twenty four seven, or maybe not even cha- necessarily challenges, but just things that have happened during the process of, of creating the story that kind of surprised you that y- you kind of weren't aware of uh, in making a comic?
1: Well, I did find it incredibly freeing because, like I said, like when I work on a project that's meant for film or television, you know, you're always thinking of the budget, and you go, you stop yourself sometimes, you go. Oh, I'd like to do this, but right no wait, we're gonna be able to afford that. So forget about that. We just throw it out, right with with in this comic world world, we can just brainstorm anything. We throw it all out there, and then we just choose the best idea. And yes, it's difficult for Sean to draw it, but it's a lot easier than spending a hundred million dollars building sets and putting it out on CGI and all that kind of stuff. You know, sometimes it's a great thing because budget can give you more creativity, you mm-hmm. know. Movie I directed years ago, uh, called The Heavenly Kings. It was about, it was basically supposed to be a Zoolander about boy bands, right? In two thousand seven, right? And when I thought about thinking of like shooting concert scenes with audiences and all that kind of stuff, it just like we can't afford that. So I threw it away and didn't think about it for six months. And then one night I just woke up and I go, oh, I know how we can do this. We actually become the boy band and we film the stuff like a documentary. And mm. then we go to concerts and we get all that footage. And that's how we actually did it in the end. And we shot it for really, really cheap, like $100,000, because everything was real except for us. Right. And so, so that, and then it created a really interesting situation where it was like we created almost like a genre film that didn't really exist at the time, which is like this mockumentary style thing where everybody else was not, not in on it except for us. Right. right. Yeah. Um, cool. And, and, and it created a really cool situation. And then oftentimes in films where you have endless budget, stuff goes to hell because people take it for granted, right? Mm-hmm. They spend way too much on other things like that. But what I love about the comic book making process is that, you know, it's all through, after we talk, then it's all through what Sean creates in the drawings. And then we look at that and we go, oh, that's exactly what we were thinking about. Or maybe this is slightly different than what we were thinking about, but it's, it's controllable in a way and scalable in a way that doesn't get out of control. You know, like in the film business, it can get very out of control very quickly, especially when you have, you know, lots of money to spend. I've seen it personally on a lot of projects, you know, that where that happens. And, and so then what I found is that it allows you to be very free. You, you just don't become inhibited at all. You just go, OK, let's let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. Let's try that. And the only thing that inhibits it is like, I'll feel bad if Sean's already started drawing something and we come up with some great idea. Right that changes it and they don't have to go back and not use that panel or change it completely. That's the only thing we feel bad about, but it's not something that costs us $5 million or $10 million in the end of the day, you know?
0: Uh, what made you, Sean, what made you decide uh, that Kickstarter was going to be the way to uh, to do this rather than kind of a, a traditional route? Were you just looking to kind of directly connect to the reader and kind of build a community for 24 um, seven?
2: That's always been a huge part of it. It's just, um, you know, leaving Marvel in DC and just making a comic, uh, there is a kind of direct to the people thing. And it kind of just cuts out all the other people who get their hands in it between us. Um, but, you know, in, in the end, I'm the uh, a, a creator. And when I worked at Marvel in DC, I just drew a comic. And then now I'm just drawing and writing. Um, the business side, I don't, don't really, uh, I, I trust that to Carl, our our publisher. Um, so, he can, you know, I trust him to find the best outlet for this work. Um, But definitely like um, having a a relationship with the end user and it's just, you know, being very thankful for their support. Uh, There is like no barrier between them and me. And, you know, I I listen to all their feedback and I I really want them to read it. Ideally, you know, they would all read it because I know people, a lot of times they collect, a lot of times they won't take it out of the bag and, and they want it signed or slapped and they don't read it. But I'm working very, very hard. And I, I do something that a lot of creators don't do, which is at um, a fairly late stage, we put the whole thing together and get a bunch of beta readers to kind of focus group it. And just to, for the logistical reason of just knowing whether the story gets across and it's understandable, um, that's my main concern. And then the other concern is whether they they like it. And after they read issue one, do they have a desire to see issue two? And, you know, how much they want to see of this. And, um, and then we take that information of actually gone back in and reworked some scenes and, and put in extra pages and, and re-dialogued everything um, based on that feedback. So, you know, it's, it's the relationship I have with the reader. I'm, I'm here to serve them and try, and trying to, to, um, you know, capture the widest audience and, and, you know, write a story that I think that they'd be really into. Uh, so yeah, the Kickstarter was something that Carl decided to do. So he timed it and then he's working out the, all the different tiers and uh, hopefully on, on, uh, uh, today, that when it comes out, that people will sign up for it and, and kind of see what we created.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take this chance to remind everybody, uh, as I always do. Maybe this sounds like the absolute perfect comic for you, and you want to go and pledge and be, uh, you know, part of this campaign, but you just can't, uh, you just don't have the means right now, right? Like the other way, you can help out, Daniel and sean and carl is to share it right share it on social media talk to your local comic book shop let's make sure to get this in front of as many eyes as possible so everybody has a chance to to join and to get the books because the worst thing is when you find something you would have loved to have been a part of but the campaign is over so let's get it out there let's get as many people's eyes on it as possible just go click on the link take a, a few minutes to peruse it uh, it's gorgeous it's a fantastic story um and so, I want to give you a, a chance, Daniel, also to talk about doing something uh, on Kickstarter because I know it's it's a little different, you know, for you. You've have your own fan base. You've you know been working in the Hong Kong film industry for a long time. So you're gonna have you know have your own fans come in, and hopefully, they're gonna enjoy it. And maybe for some of them, this is gonna be the first time they've uh, read a comic or joined a, a Kickstarter uh, campaign. So, what are your thoughts on on doing this crowdfunding? Yeah, this
1: the Kickstarter part of it is like the most exciting part of it to me because it kind of. Uh democratizes the process for, for the the fans and it allows them to choose whether they want this thing to happen or not you know and um it's very different than filmmaking like every time we pitch a film we go to that executive we were like hey, just please green light it it's that one guy right just yeah green light please but in this situation we're going to see right away whether people want to see this thing and want to see it come alive and the also the great thing about it is it allows So I have a fan base all over the place, like China, Hong Kong, Asia, from my movies. Then um, American fans from, let's say, Into the Badlands, different group of people. They're all Mm -hmm. different. Everybody's different. And then Sean has his group of followers that are very different. And so the Kickstarter platform allows all those people to come together and make the decisions based on who they like and what they like and what they want to see. And also for me, you know, I... I've always been a fan of comic books, but I never really talked about it that much. So I don't think my followers necessarily know that. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them may not even be comic book people, but because they just found out that I'm uh, interested in comic books and I'm creating this thing, it'll be their first foray into comics as well. And so it allows them to have ownership on this baby that we're creating here. And I think it's a really cool part of the process. It's just so different from anything I've ever done before, where you have to wait for somebody to give you permission to do it or give you the budget to do it. Now it's the, the fans, the followers, the other ones that are going to be the ones greenlighting it for us. And that that's cool because oftentimes the executive doesn't know, right? They don't know what's going to be a hit and what's not. They pretend like they know, right? Um, but if you can see that the audience, the consumer, direct to consumer, and they already have a, um, a buzz for it and they're excited for it and they want to help support that, they can do it immediately right away. And they're the ones that get to vote on whether this thing gets greenlit or not, and not the that random executive sitting in his high office somewhere, you know? And well, so and I- the other,
0: yeah, and the other aspect being, you know, even when a, a film does get greenlit to start moving forward, there's so many chances for it to go off the rails, right? And it takes so long for the end process, and product. A comic, you know, if you need to, within two months, eight weeks, from, you know, conception to, hey, it's in my hands as a reader
1: yeah so that's the other that's the cool part of the process too It's much faster like a film could be two three years before it sees the light of day or even you know i worked on a project for five years that got greenlit and at the very end it, the bottom fell out and all that time and effort that everybody spent just was wasted completely and so in this situation because the scale is a lot easier to deal with you know it, it, it will come out a lot faster and people you know who follow this on kickstarter who who contribute to the campaign will see results very soon, you know? And so it's not this like multi-year long wait to get it done.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I want to go back to something you said earlier, Sean, uh, which I find, uh, you know, I remember Carl talking to me about uh, that you guys were doing this at San Diego Comic-Con. So unique. Never have heard of a comic doing this before, but those, uh, those beta readers that you mentioned, uh, and then going back and, and tweaking the story, uh, which I j- I just find amazing because again, it's, it's really doing an extra step, an extra work for you that's in service to creating the best story possible. So I mean, how excited are you to get this out there, you know, in front of people and and just have them experience it? I mean, you you must just be really anxious to have it out there for people to to read.
2: Yeah, well, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety. I think if I was a veteran writer, well, I mean, no, if I was a veteran, veteran writer, it, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But I've only really written one other thing before, um, and that I gave away for free on Instagram. So you can follow the whole story on like I'll do like maybe five panels a week. And then I would only do it if um, people wanted to hear more and Mm -hmm. I didn't charge any money for it. And um, that kind of let me know that when I'm writing, um, since it's so subjective and there is that Dunning-Kruger thing out there that that could affect anyone, I had no idea really whether I could um, write at all. Um, but I was actually quite surprised that people followed it. And when the whole story was wrapped up, uh, it got published in a couple of places. So I was like, wow, you know, um, I did a thing. Um, I think I can actually put writer, you know, in my resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds really weird to me. I mean, I feel like I should be on strike now. Uh, but I think with uh, uh, this story, um, anxiety comes back because of the scale of the story. I mean, this uh, it's so big and it has such heavy themes. Um, and if you don't end it just right, and if you don't answer the philosophical question in a satisfying way, um, and then since it's sci-fi, it's so speculative, um, there is a uh there is always that danger, like am I gonna fall flat on my face? So part of the, the beta readers is is just to kind of um not just leave it all the chance. It's very, very easy to do and very cheap insurance to so just get some copies out there and then ask them questions like, did you understand this? Did you get this point? And what is your feeling? And after polling a whole bunch of people. Um, We're pretty confident that that they all had a good time and they're in for the long haul, you know, as as many issues as we put out on this thing. Um, So that was a a very welcome thing to hear. And um, yeah, I I think uh, so. This would be my second bit of of writing, although I think I've been practicing to write for maybe decades.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. 100 percent drawing a comic, getting a script. It's all, it's all storytelling. You know, Daniel will say the same thing about acting, right? Yeah. You're obviously someone else is putting the words in your mouth. Maybe you improv some things or whatever, but it's all, it's all storytelling, which, uh, which we just love. Um, You mentioned as many issues. Do you know how many issues it's, it's going to be is the Kickstarter just uh, for the first issue? Uh,
2: The Kickstarter covers the first three issues. So you get quite a meaty chunk of it. Um, So uh, we anticipate it will go until six issues. And it's, it's a fairly tight, uh, time frame, And was, that's made, mainly because it's a tough book to draw and I kind of wanted to see what I can get through with it. Uh, the longer it is, the more of a chance that it doesn't get ever finished because, you know, anything can happen. So I made it to be six issue, but the story honestly started growing more and more since it's the, such a big topic. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully six is enough, but we do have the freedom to expand it. You know, that's one thing about, uh, comics is that you know you can just tack on another issue uh, if if you need it and you know I I think uh, a lot of times when people have a problem with the pacing of a a story it's that it's too slow uh, and then they kind of get bored because it's too slow I think this this story if anything it has if it does have a pacing problem it it just moves very fast Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, it's kind of a uh, upon me to tell the story very clearly, and, and you know we, I'm not wasting your time. Every page is, you know, there's like six or seven panels on 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 some of the pages, and it's very concentrated so that um you don't get that feeling that you're just kind of like uh reading something that's that's inconsequential. So hopefully six issues will be enough to to wrap it up, but we're kind of planning that out now. So the Kickstarter
1: will be the first half of the book,
2: uh, and yeah, then,
1: it's pretty it's pretty rich and pretty dense. What well, we're packing into six episodes or six issues, like you're saying, episodes, of speaking TV talk, but six issues. Um, yeah. And but that's what's exciting about it is like, I, I think there's a great story there and we wrap it up pretty good by the end. Um, but there's a lot that happens in between. So I think the readers are going to get a lot of a lot of bang for their buck for this. And the yeah. Is yeah. I mean,
0: fast paced, uh, you know, I've had a chance to read the first three issues, very fast paced, packed with a lot of characters and a lot of action, and a lot of things happening. Um, and yeah, it just, it goes back to something you mentioned earlier, Daniel, that uh, you haven't done a lot of sci-fi in your, your acting career, but but science fiction just, it lends itself. We kind of mentioned this before. It lends itself to so many different types of, of storytelling. Um, mm. You can really explore so many different themes because in a way, it's kind of future casting, right? Because we're talking about these technologies don't quite exist yet, and so it, it's almost like, could this be a story or or uh, a situation that could actually happen in a year or two or what have you? And you know, it really gets your your mind uh, cranking. So I have well, to ask you, David, Or
1: is you, what this technology a metaphor for something that's actually happening right now? That we're well, doing.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And so yeah. I think that's what's fun about it is deciphering. You know, you can read so much into it while you're reading this, and um yeah i mean that's why when since i we did no science fiction in hong kong and asia when i was working there which is odd because it's hong kong is a very sci-fi looking place yeah and so when i came back here I, I purposely chose everything i did was science fiction because i you know 60 something films i never was able to do it but it was my favorite genre to watch and to mm-hmm. read about like uh, big science fiction fans since a little kid and so um you know westworld into the Badlands. All those were reminiscence. They were all forays into science fiction because you're allowed to explore humanity in a different way um, through technology, through a future environment. But it is actually reflecting on our current situation now. You know, um, I mean, even like this Lucas Jong situation here, um, and and his the the difference between him and his daughter. I mean, I look at the difference between the Boomer generation and what they've done. To our society right now, as opposed to the younger generation, you know, that, that thing right there is already, you know, highlighted in our story. And we, we see that every day in our lives that we're dealing with the repercussions of what the boomers have done. They did some great things, but then, you know, global warming, all these things are are attributed to them. And some people, some, you know, and I know some boomers that don't really care about it. Right. Yeah. And so it's like those themes, we've attacked those themes in this book, um, in this series here. And, and um it's really exciting to be able to do that because i you know these are things i think about every day and to be able to see it on the page in a different world in a different realm um reflected in that story is is fun and exciting
0: yeah it goes back to what i was saying before about some of the best stories some of the best comics you want to start these conversations right like these are conversations we need to be having uh so it's great to have the story exist on that level of entertainment but yes a book that makes you think that you're still thinking about later first of all it's more value and second of all yeah it gets you thinking uh we can all be be a little better and do you know do our part you know mm, a little exactly. more so uh as we're winding down here uh, i want to give you guys both a chance anything else you want to share with our our listeners whether it's uh this project other projects uh what have you uh we'll start with you sean uh
2: well you know this this project is very important to me it's kind of an experiment It just uh the big question is whether an artist can kind of survive or make make his way outside of the corporate system of Marvel in DC. You know, I, I left, uh, I, I had a couple of projects going on at Marvel, um, that I left in order to do this. And this, it was because they, um, Carl gave me a chance to write and create something and create an IP. I had to take that. Um, but of course you don't really get paid until, uh, much later and it's a big gamble. There was a lot of safety in working with Marvel, um, and, uh, so this is kind of an experiment to see like whether, whether it'll work or not. If it doesn't, I will, you know, put my tail between my legs and go back to Marvel and, and see if they will have me back. Um, but I, I hope it goes over well because this is, you know, I think, uh, as a the trajectory of every creative person, uh, you, you work for uh, within the system and you kind of learn your chops. And then when you're ready, you break out and, and try to create something of your own. And that's something of your own is quite often is full of more passion. So I think people know what to expect of my art. Except for the fact that it's much better because this is my baby and I put more time and effort into it. And then since I'm relatively new to writing, I put way more time and, and effort into writing something. I don't think that many writers in comics will put, you know, we've been doing this for two years, this, this story. Uh, a lot of writers, um, kind of put together a story in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to make up for my lack of experience by really taking a deep dive into writing. Um, and then, you know, putting this together and, uh i just hope that people check it out and if you want to see uh what the current state of my art looks like you can uh go to my instagram which is at Sean chen art and then you will see some um some snippets from this series as well as uh you know marvel and dc commissions that i do and uh just see consider backing it i hope people do yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned that uh kind of the
0: passion you feel when it's something you're, you're you know that that you own that you're you're fully invested in not that you're not excited to draw Spider-Man or Hulk or Batman or, or whatever, but that's one of the things that comes through when I was reading these issues, man, you guys were having a hell of a lot of fun putting this thing, thing together. That comes across as a reader, you can feel that energy um, more so than, you know, the 1000th Batman story that you've read. Not that, Again, not that we all don't love Batman, but man, when you get something new and fresh, uh, there's an energy there. So uh what about you, Daniel? Anything else you want our listeners to know?
1: Yeah, I want to second that spirit, I didn't, and that's probably why I got involved in this project, because I grew up in the 80s and 90s when there was a very independent spirit going on, this punk rock, the beginnings of hip-hop, 90s independent cinema. like All of that has kind of gone away in this kind of corporate capitalism world that we're living now, where bigger is better, right? And to be able to go back to independent spirit independent-minded creativity is really, really important to me. And that's why I jumped in on this project is because I saw like what Carl and Sean were doing here. They're stepping away from the mainstream and doing something out of the box, but in a different way, still the same genre that we're, we've we always loved comic books and comic book storytelling and all that kind of stuff. But in a way that's the kind of DIY and in a way that we can control the content. And so that it's not, this you know corporate formula or treat it as a product that it has to be sold this is something that we're passionate about and we love and we love this storytelling and we want to create something fresh and independent and new for storytellers I mean for the audience out there because you know quite frankly speaking when you just go for the dollars it becomes very bland at some point mm-hmm. you know um, even the Marvel Universe films that have come out there has been so many of them that are just out there because you know making studios money and as opposed to good storytelling that you kind of just get numb to it all. And I think, um, evermind is a project that goes back to the roots of independent storytelling. And I just hope that it's successful because I want to bring that era back. I mean, I, maybe I'm too nostalgic, but that era in the nine, early nineties and the late eighties was so awesome. It was so exciting. It was so creative and so bubbling with energy that, um, that we're kind of lacking that now, I feel like because everything's so formulaic and everything has to be, you know, Taylor Swift big, you know, <laughs> that's not, that, not not necessarily always the case. And I think to be able to create, start something small and have that blow up is much more exciting for me than to go put all your money in one basket and go, okay, that's gonna be, that's gonna make us billions, but it's, you know, kind of mediocre content. Um, to me, I'd rather do something that everyone's passionate about. And that's definitely what we have here, Sean and Carl, and I, we're all super passionate about this project. And I hope that, there are, you know, everyone that reads this thing feels that passion. I think, Chase, you saw it. You've seen the first couple of three um, issues now. And you said you, you felt that, that we're having a lot of fun. And I think that spirit, we want to carry it on and keep pushing it and hope that brings us success.
0: Yeah, it is. It is such a double edged sword. I talk about it all the time, whether or not this comic books at the center of pop culture and all these movies are really a good thing for comic books itself, because now there's so many when there's, as we all know, when there's. So this amount of money involved and there's a lot of, you know, cooks in the kitchen mm-hmm. and have their opinion and, you know, everything becomes a little bit homogenized because you don't want to offend. You're not, you become risk averse, right? R- yeah. Risk averse. Like I always say business decisions are antithetical to making the best type of art because the best type of art you take, you got to take risks to find the, you know, to push the boundary and find the new frontier and, and you know, find the thing that's really going to excite people. When you play it safe, it might make money, but that's not the way to get the best the best art and the
1: best yeah. It's like reaction. are we making an advertisement or are we making art? You know, right I mean, a lot of the things out there are advertisements, they're long two-hour advertisements. Yeah. yeah. yeah and so exactly. what we're trying to do here is to go back to the art and go back to the pure spirit of, of independent storytelling and 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 story creating.
0: Yeah, so again, everybody, link in the show notes. Just go check out the campaign. Check out the gorgeous art, the preview pages, and what have you. Check out the tiers that are available. We don't have any information as we're recording this, but by the time this comes out, uh, all that will be available. So again, uh, go and check it out. Uh, I'll put a link to Sean's uh, Instagram in the show notes as well. So if you want to go check out his art style and some see some snippets, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, Daniel, what about you? Where's the best place uh, to follow you on yeah, social media? Pretty
1: much know? on uh, Instagram only, That Daniel Wu. Um, uh, yeah, that's my main way of communicating with everybody. So everything you'll see about evermind will be on there.
0: Okay, great. I'll put a link to, uh, Daniel's, uh, Instagram in the show notes as well. Everybody. So gentlemen, best of luck with the project. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I have confidence. It's going to fund really, really quickly. I know you guys are nervous about it. I understand that it, until you hit that goal, there's always a little bit of trepidation or people are going to show up, but I have every confidence, uh, the quality of the story, uh, and and you know your uh fan bases and your careers uh just kind of engender trust, I think. Uh, so I think people are gonna show up. So again, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Uh and to all you listeners, go check out Evermind. It really is worth your time and we appreciate your support and uh glad you joined us as always. So uh gentlemen, again, thanks so much. It was a fantastic chat.
1: Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks for having us.
0: Yep. And to you listeners, uh, thanks for joining us as well. And we'll talk to you next time.